0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Man, it's good to be at God's house today, amen? amen. And uh, listen, I'll be really honest with you, um, I'm glad that you're here, amen? Uh, a lot of times on Mother's Day, uh, uh, this is a great opportunity for people to get out and go to uh, brunch. And so uh, I hope you have a brunch after uh, you have a brunch here, Amen. And so, uh, listen, we cherish all of our ladies at this church, amen? Okay, can we give more praise for the ladies? We cherish all our ladies at this church, and uh, certainly on a special day like today, we also want to recognize and celebrate our moms. And so, if you are a mom here today, by the way, uh, you could be a mom of uh, children in your neighborhood. If you're a mom, would you stand and let us recognize you this morning? Come on, stand up, moms. Now, stay standing. Let me, let me, I want the moms to stay standing for just a second. Can we do a better job of recognizing our moms this morning? Let's recognize mom. All right. Thank you. Uh, I want you to know, God bless you, you may be seated. All of our ladies, as you leave today, we've got a special gift for every lady because uh, every lady is special, okay? And uh, I really mean that. Moms are special, our ladies are special. And here's one thing I want you to know, that you are always going to be highly valued in this place. As long as I'm around, you're going to be highly valued in this place. And uh, I, I know the world has tried to confuse the issue, but my mother that gave me birth is a woman. I'm just saying, my dad did not give birth to me, okay? My mother gave birth to me, and many times I think we fail to adequately recognize our ladies and our moms, and sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes I actually think we're guilty of taking good old mom for granted. Anybody ever take mom for granted? Yeah, (laughs) I see, it's good. We take mom for granted, and the reality is, moms, bless your heart, you typically have to deal with all sorts of stuff, don't you? Moms? You got to deal with it all, don't you? You not only got to deal with the kids, but you got to deal with dad. (laughs) And so, uh, listen, pray for our moms. And uh, the reality is, I heard this story years ago of a mom who had told her um, child said, it's bedtime. And so the child goes to bed, and five minutes later, the child says, Mom. And the mom says, yes, I'm thirsty. Can I get a glass of water? And she said, no, no, it's time for bed. Get in bed. Uh, five minutes later, you know what happens. But Mom, I'm so thirsty. <sighs> mom, can I, can I come get a glass of water? No, you had your chance. Tuck yourself in, get in the bed, go to sleep before I come up there and I swat your tail. <laughs> About five minutes later, she hears Mom again. He goes, Mom, please, I'm so thirsty. And uh, she says, you better lay down and get to sleep, mister. Well, this went on for a while, and finally the boy ekes out, Mom? And she said, what now? And he said, when you come up to spank me, could you bring a glass of water? <laughs> Oh, man, I'm, I'm thankful for patient moms. I don't know about you. I'm very, very thankful for patient moms. It's been said that behind every good man, there's an even greater woman. And I would add that behind every good child is a godly mother. It was in his book, The Real Billy Sunday, that Elijah P. Brown said these words. He said, when God wants to raise up a man with power to shake the world... He actually sees to it that he shall have the right kind of mother. Wow. Godly women impact their husbands. Godly women raise their children and make a difference in the lives of those around them. And I'll be honest with you, I'm very, very thankful for my mom this morning. Mom, if you're watching, I'm very, very thankful for you. I'm thankful for my mother in law this morning, the Queen Mother. I affectionately call her the Queen Mother. I, you know, I've never asked her if she likes me calling her the Queen Mother. I just have always referred to her as the Queen Mother. And I guess she's just gotten used to it. Uh, and certainly my dear wife that God has blessed me with. I'm thankful for all of these women in my life. And to be honest with you, the series is superheroes. Is what we talked about last week. We talked about the greatest superhero of all, and his name is Jesus And all of these women that I have talked about and all of you women here this morning are superheroes and not simply because you are beautiful and not simply because some of you are mothers. I believe that the greatest superhero of all are women who are godly, godly women, greatest superhero. Listen, other than Jesus, moms really kind of seem to take the cake. Jesus is the greatest, and I believe right below Jesus are moms. In fact, we were talking appropriate enough in Sunday school this morning, and Chuck was laying out kind of a dissertation on a lot of moms, and the last mom he spoke of was Mary. And you remember what Jesus thought of his mother? He loved his mother so much that when he's on the cross, he looks at John and he says, hey, listen. He, says, he tells his mom, he says, behold your son. But then he looks at his disciple and he says, behold thy mother. In other words, you better take care of my mom from this point forward. Oh, he loved his mom. And so this morning, we're going to look at a godly woman that we find in our text. And her life speaks boldly, and yet her name is never mentioned in Scripture. Maybe you're a mom this morning. Maybe you're a lady this morning. You feel like you go unnoticed many times. Can I tell you, you don't go unnoticed by God. And here we we find in our text a story of a woman who is only known to us by the geographical location from which she lives. It's almost as if uh, the woman of Warrington, the woman of Bealton, the woman of Remington, the woman of, of Noakesville, the woman of Haymarket, the woman of, man, this is, a, I'm going to give you i I'm going to throw out a bone, the woman of Summer Duck. Man, you, okay, Culpepper, the woman of Culpepper. What else have I forgotten? I know I'm going to get texts. I forgot all, all the different places, right, Bealton and on and on. Literally, she's known because of the geographical location from which she comes. Look with me in 2 Kings chapter 4. We're just going to read this story. By the way, after uh, we finish this uh, little message, uh, we're going to have the opportunity. We're going to see moms and dads coming and dedicating their children back to the Lord. And that's going to be a special time. And I'm looking forward to that. But let's notice what uh, God has to say to us from his word. 2 Kings chapter 4. Look at verse number 8. Number, verse number 8 and following, here's what the Bible says, and it says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, this is the area where she's from, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither. I love the King James word, thither. He turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be that when he comes to us, that he shall turn in, there it is again, thither. Verse number 11 And it fell on a day that he came thither, that he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, this is his his apprentice, his servant. He says to him, he says, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. Verse number 13, he said unto her, he said, say now unto her. So Elisha doesn't even speak to the woman. He tells Gehazi, he says, you say these words to her. And verse number 13, he says, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all of this care. What is to be done for thee? In other words, what can I do for you? You've been such a blessing to me. I want to do something for you, which is kind of right. And notice what takes place. Would thou be spoken of for to the king or to the captain of the host? Notice she answers. She said, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she hath no child and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she says these words. She says, nay, Lord. She says, thou man of God, do not lie. Don't you lie to me. Verse 17, and the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that when he went out to his father, to the reapers, he said to his father, he said, my head. He said, my head. And he said to a lad, to one of the reapers, he says, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him, he brought him to his mother. And he sat on her knees until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. In verse twenty-two, she called on her husband and said, "Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again." And he said, "Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath." And she says these words, "It shall be well." Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your, we thank you for that love that you have showed to us through your Son. God, we thank you for the love of a mother. God, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate not only your love, but these women that have gathered today in your house. God, we celebrate each and every one of them. Lord, I pray that as we look at these verses of Scripture from your holy word, God, that you would work in our hearts, that you would draw us closer to you, that you would draw us closer to one another. God, that you would begin to work in our hearts in a way that brings you honor and glory. Lord, I pray that today that if there's somebody in this room or somebody that's watching, God, that has heard a lot about Jesus, that he's has heard a lot about the Bible, but maybe they've never trusted Christ, I pray that, today, that today would be the day that they open up their heart and that they would receive the greatest gift that has ever been offered to man, whether they're in this room or watching online. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us through the next few moments of time, that you'll receive the honor and the glory. God, be with our parents as they dedicate these children back to you, Lord. We'll give you the praise for all that you'll do in this place, and we give you that praise in the precious and powerful name of Jesus, and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, again, it's good to see you and good to be in the Lord's house. I want you to notice right away with me some things that we see in our text, and look back with me beginning in verse number 8. We we see in verse number 8, the Bible tells us that this is a great woman, but it also points out that she's actually a uh, persuasive woman. Have you ever known a persuasive woman, men? And the men are afraid to answer. They're like, don't ask trick questions in church. Listen, this, this word great, if you look in the text, this word great in the Hebrew actually refers to the fact, now you see Gehazi tells Elisha that her husband is an old man, but this word great also reminds us that she's a little bit older or a little bit more mature because a woman is never old, she's just mature, right? And so she's a little more mature, but it also means that she is probably a woman of means. In other words, she has some sort of wealth uh, that she comes from, but it was said of the Chaldeans that this woman was also someone who actually feared God and feared sin. And so she's persuasive. Look here in verse number 8. It says that she constrains Elisha to eat bread. In other words, here's the, here's the deal. Elisha, as the man of God, he probably wouldn't have been known to stop at this house. He's probably just passing through on his regular travels. But this woman constrains him. Folks, the word constrain there means that she presses him. She, she basically... Uh, Uh, keeps on talking, encouraging him, and begging him to come and eat at her house. And so what I see, other than her being great or being persuasive, you know, Elisha's ministry is in full swing, he's traveling, and so she sees this man in need at the beginning, and she constrains him to eat bread. And what I see more important than being great or persuasive is that she's a woman of generosity, Listen, if you're going to be a godly woman, you're going to be a godly man. It doesn't matter, woman, man, whatever. Listen, you're going to be generous. You're going to be generous. And so she's a woman of generosity. Look at verse 8. It says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was, look at the last part. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. So notice this becomes a pattern. Every time he goes by... He stops now. One one meal turns to two. Two meals turns to three meals, and three meals turns to, that. at Every time this guy is passing the town of Shunem, he says, "Listen, I'm going over here because she's got some chicken and dumplings." Oh, <laughs> Wes, thank you, <laughs> Wes. You like chicken and dumplings, evidently. <laughs> she's got she's got something cooking and. Elisha and Gehazi, they stop each and every time. We see her generosity on play. This woman is literally the embodiment of what John Wesley once said when he said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. She was generous. By the way, that's good. If you'll take it in, that statement. Just keep on doing good. Listen, I love the clarity of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 25 in the Christian Standard Bible. It's so simplistic, uh, it's so simple the way they put it. They just say, A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. This woman is generous. She says, Hey, this man of God has nothing. He's passing by, he has no food. He's probably a little gaunt. He's he's passing by, and she says, listen, we ought to feed him. And so she constrains him. And he doesn't necessarily want to go into the house. And you say, well, how can you be so sure? Because she has to basically press him to come eat at her house. And so she does it because she's a generous woman. By the way, the word generous means that you have a readiness. You have a readiness to give More of something, whether it is your time or your talent or funding. It's almost like the the good Samaritan. You're generous with your time. You're generous with your abilities. You're generous whatever it is that God has blessed you with. And that's what we see in this woman because she understood the truth of God's word that says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 17, it reminds us to be generous by saying, who had this world's good and sees his brother having a need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him? How dwelleth the love of God in him? And if you keep reading that passage, verse number 18 goes on, and it says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. You know, there's a lot of people who give lip service. This woman wasn't one of them. She wasn't just a woman who gave lip service. She was generous. You see, that verse says, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but indeed, action. Put some action in truth. Oh, yes, this woman was kind and generous. And I don't know about you, I'm grateful when I come across generous people. Have you ever met somebody that's really generous with their time? You ever had a school teacher who was generous? To teach you algebra when you were about ready to fail out of algebra? Was I the only one? Okay. Which makes it even all the more scary that my wife is an accountant and my son is studying engineering. I'm the village idiot at the house. <laughs> Did you ever have someone pour into your life with their generosity? This is exactly what the woman did, and I'm thankful for the testimony of a godly woman who is also a generous woman. By the way, I'm thankful for her testimony, but the reality is the greatest model of generosity that we have ever seen, that we have ever known, that we have ever read about is Jesus. I said the greatest model of generosity is Jesus. Oh, listen, he gave his very best, and he held nothing back in our lives by his will, by his word, and by his wounds. He gave his very best for us. Oh, we ought to not forget that, just because it's Mother's Day. Jesus was generous even to wicked and unthankful people. You say, really? You know, because here's what I know. It's easy to be generous with people you love, isn't it? Man, I just love my little puppy. The ladies got to see the colonel yesterday at the tea party. See, I told the ladies that I believe in security, so I wanted to bring the colonel in to to sniff for bombs and drugs in the gymnasium. They got to see the the new puppy known as the colonel. I don't know why I just shared that. (laughs) It's easy to love people and be generous to people that you love, but what about people that Have you ever met somebody who's hard to love? You ever met them? Ever run across Mr. and Mrs. Curmudgeon? You ever run across Mr. and Mrs. I love to be miserable and so I want you to be miserable too? I have. You're like, is it me? Is it me? No. I'm not saying it's anybody in this room, but we all have run across people who are not very easy to love the reality is that jesus set the example of loving even the wicked and ungrateful people you say How, where do you get that from well in luke chapter 6 and verse number 35 here's what jesus said he said love your what he said and do what okay so here's let's just stop right here he says love your enemies and do good The word love is a verb, it is an action word. So if I'm going to love you, it's more than a feeling. It's more than just saying I love you. Love is proved. Now, I am going to attempt to prove my love to my funny little honey after this service. She has already commanded me how I'm to do that. (laughs) I'm to take the pork chops and put them on the grill and grill the pork chops. I, someone said amen. <laughs> Russell. But what about our enemies? Jesus said, Love your enemies and do good. Watch, love is an action word. Watch how he connects it and do good. Love your enemies and put that love into action by doing something. And what does he say? He says, do good, and he goes on and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. Now, hold on to the word reward. Now, I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel, but you're going to see it come to fruition at the end of the lesson here. He says, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Why? Because Jesus says, for he is kind unto thee who? Who? the unthankful and even the evil. Listen, before we go out of here with our halos on too tight, just remember the only thing that's different between me and somebody who doesn't trust or hasn't trusted Jesus yet is that very fact. I'm just somebody who has trusted Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. Listen, I'm a sinner who's basically been saved by the grace of God. I didn't buy it. I didn't earn it. I didn't do enough to get it. He gave it to me for free. John Bunyan, the English Puritan preacher from the 1600s, he's also the well-known author of Pilgrim's Progress. Here's what he said. He said, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. This woman knew that the man of God, the prophet Elisha, could never repay her. Even though we see in verse number 12, he says, what should be done? What can I do for you? She knew it wasn't about him repaying her. She was just generous. But uh, beyond her generosity, I also see that she's a woman of sensitivity. She's a woman of sensitivity. Not in the way that the world views sensitivity as some type of weakness, but she was sensitive in regards to spiritual things. Look at verse number 9. Verse number 9 and 10 of our text. It says here in verse number 9, And she says unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive, that word perceive means to know, She says, I actually know that this is a man, a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. She said, I know he's been eating supper here. Now, this is a step. I know he's been eating supper here. But, honey, don't you think we ought to put an addition on to our house? Don't you think we ought to build an addition on and put in there a bed and put a table in there and put a chair in there and just, you know, doll it up? I wonder what the husband thought. Well, what I know is that the husband agrees because that's exactly what happens. Notice, she says, I pray thee that we set it up with a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be that when he comes, he'll stop here. And so her generosity and her sensitivity, what God is doing and how God is working in their lives, see, when the man of God comes, she's being able to kind of, see what's going on and to hear from the man of God and I'm guessing at some point somehow Elisha has shared God's word with her and so she's developing this relationship with her family and with this uh, prophet of God and so her generosity leads her husband leads her to ask her husband hey let's build a chamber for him to stay in and so we see that her generosity and her sensitivity, she, they, they show and reveal to us her concern for others, her hospitality, her servant's heart. as she seeks to honor Elisha. One of the occasions, as he's there and he says, call the woman, as I read in verse number 12, and then in verse number 13, he says, hey, listen, what can I do? You've been so nice to us. You've been so kind. You've been so generous. I mean, who, who goes out of their way to, to kind of build a room for me. he says what can I do for you. And notice she says. I, at the ver- end of verse 13. She says she answers. I dwell among my own people. In other words what she's saying. At the end of verse 13 is. I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So what we see is not only is she generous. Not only is she sensitive. But she's a woman of contentment. Ladies can I encourage you today. To be contented. Men, can I encourage you today, be contented. It's a sign of godliness if you really want to know the truth. And so Elisha, he's moved with her generosity. He says, hey, what can I do? And she says, no, I'm good, I'm satisfied. It's as if she she had heard in advance of what Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4 in verse number 11 when he said he had learned how to be content. She said, I'm content, all is well. Oh, listen, she said, I'm content with what I have, and I'm content with what I don't have. She had learned to rest in her situation, and she was at peace. Her aim, I really believe this, her aim as a woman of God was not to get something. Her aim was to give something. And isn't that what godly women do? They give. They give. And many times, godly women give until it hurts. Have you been there, ma'am? Mom, have you been there where you just keep on giving, you keep on giving, and you feel like nobody's paying attention, and you wonder, when can someone else give to me? This woman was a giver. 1 Timothy in 6, verse number 6, the Bible says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, what that verse is saying is that the contentment which you and I have comes from living a godly life. Believers, we're reminded that our contentment comes from Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5, the reason I can be content is because he tells us that he will never leave me he will never forsake me on the mountain he's with me in the valley he's with me in the in between of life he's with me he says I'm never going to leave you I'm never going to forsake you and though the world will beat you up no the world will spit you out like a piece of junk he says you can be assured you can be content because I'm going to be with you every step of the way this woman was contented what a woman of God she asked for nothing by the way I love this She asks for nothing, and yet she receives more than she could ever possibly have imagined. Because the story goes on. As we've read, Gehazi reminds Elisha that she doesn't have a child and that her husband is old. And so the inference that's made there is, by the way, I've already told you that being a great woman, not only was she a woman of means, but she was a little more mature herself, and her husband's a lot older, and so the inference is... In today's mindset, it's probably not going to happen. She's beyond the years of childbearing years. He's well beyond the years of childbearing, right? Of of whatever, all right? We'll not get into it. (laughs) He's well beyond those years. (laughs) The prophet says... In verse number 16, look at it. He says, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. In other words, the prophet is saying, guess what? A miracle is getting ready to come your way. You know, we celebrate the miracle. In fact, we talked about a little bit in Bible study this morning. We celebrate the miracle that took place in Sarah's life. This is just as much a miracle. This woman didn't ask for her child. She didn't beg for a child. She didn't ask for notoriety in front of the king or the captains when he asked her about that. She says, no, you don't need to mention me to anybody. I dwell with my people. I'm content right where I am. I don't need anything. I'm just wanting to be a blessing. I want to feed you. We've made this room for you as you come past. Just use it and and know that we're we're just casting our bread on the water, so to speak. But what I see is that God gives her a miracle. And I... I can only imagine. The baby is born. She, she, asked the, she asked the prophet Elijah. she says, don't lie to me. She says, you said I'm going to have a child. Don't you dare lie to me. But guess what? She has the child. And between verses 17 and verse 18, what we know is that a lot of time has passed. In fact, I would suggest that at least 7 to 10 years has passed. Because in other words, why would the child in verse number 18 be out in the field with his dad and the reapers? Jewish custom said that the child would probably have been out in the field by the time he was 12. But I would suggest maybe he's a little bit younger than that. And he gets out there and he starts hollering that his head, his head, his head. And so a lot of people have tried to guess what was going on uh, with the child. Some have suggested that maybe he was having a heat stroke. And so the father didn't think it was something so uh, over the top that mom couldn't handle it because guess what he does? He says, hey... Carry the boy to his mother. Isn't that what dads do? That's what we do as husbands. I got a cut on my finger. Got a cut on my finger. Yesterday, ladies in the tea party. (laughs) Mm, Poor baby. And you would have thought the tip of my finger was falling off. at the house she's making those cute little sandwiches with no crust and you know all the little delicacies for the ladies tea party and I want to be the good husband so I go to the sink and I start pulling out the dishes you know to wash the dishes and in my haste there is a sharp knife inside of a bowl and I just went straight down the sharp knife I ran off into the bathroom like a little baby Isn't that what men do? Take the boy to his mom. She's going to know what to do. Sir, why don't you do something? Why don't you do something about the boy who's screaming about his head? But he says, "Take take him to his mom. And so that's what she does. And then look at verse 20. The Bible says that he sat on her knees until noon and then he dies. And after her son dies, what does she do? She takes him up and lays him in this bed in this vacant room. And then she walks away, she shuts the door, and then look at verse 22, she calls her husband and says, send me, I pray thee, a young man, and one of the asses that I may run, watch that word run, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he says, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? He said, it's neither the new moon, it's not the first day of the month, and he says, nor the Sabbath, it's not the seventh day of the week, and she says... It shall be well. The reality is, folks, there are two. This is one of two incredible statements by this woman of God. In saying that it shall be well, we see that this woman is not only a woman of generosity and sensitivity and contentment, we see that this woman, most importantly, is a woman of faith. She says, It's going to be well. I didn't ask him for the child. He gave me the child. Now the child's dead. And so guess what? I put him up. But guess what? You don't even see that she told her husband this. All she says is, give me me one of the boys to come with me and give me a donkey. And then she tells him, she says, you drive this animal as fast as you can. And you don't slow it up for me unless I tell you to slow down. And we'll see that here in just a second. The reality is it appears that she doesn't even tell her husband about her son's death. But she simply says, no worries. It shall be well. It's going to be okay. I've got to run an errand. I've got to go see Elisha. Everything's going to be all right. Proverbs 31, verse number 11, reminds us that a virtuous woman's husband safely trusts in his wife. And so it's as if I see Scripture flying off the page, uh, the truth of that verse flying off the page in this story where she tells her husband, and the husband says, you know what? My wife's never led me astray. My wife is going to do exactly what she says. By the way, that's another sign of her being a godly woman, guess what? The husband safely trusted in his wife. And so she takes off. And she says, listen, I've got to go see the man of God. Folks, that's called faith. It shall be well. She's on a mission and nothing is going to stop her. The Bible reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5-7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11 1 confirms that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Verse 24, look at it, we didn't read it. Verse 24 and verse 25 of this passage, it indicates that she basically runs. Now stay with me. She basically runs as fast as she can to meet up with the man of God, Elisha. Now I know what you're probably thinking. You're saying, Pastor, she asked her husband for a a donkey. And guess what? Have you seen, I mean, unless you really get them riled up, donkeys don't move very fast. And here's another thing. She told her husband that I may run to the man of God. I believe that she got the donkey. You ready for this? I believe that she got that donkey for the man of God to ride on when he came back. You can put in whatever you want, but I believe that that's what I see in Scripture because each verse is talking about her running, running to the man of God. Look at verse 26. As she was running, even in verse 26... Here's what Elisha says to Gehazi. He says, run now. He says, run now. He sees her coming a ways off. It's almost like the father seeing the prodigal son come home. He sees her a way off and he tells his servant, he says, run now, I pray thee to meet her and say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And notice what she answers. She answers and says, it is well. What an incredible response. I don't know about you, mom or dad, but I'm guessing we would have told exactly what was going on when we saw Elisha. We probably would have said, Elisha, the child that you you told me I was going to have, the child that God gave me is dead. Why why would you do that? Why would you tell me you're going to give me a child and now the child is dead? What's up with that? I'm guessing that's what our response would have been. But she says, no, all is well. Look at verse 27. I'm going to read here for a moment. I want you to see the rest of the story, as they say, in verse 27. The Bible says, "And when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught him by the feet." That tells me where she's at. She's not. By, if you're catching someone by the feet, you got to drop down. You got to drop down and humble. Uh, there's a, a humble submission that you're dropping down. You're showing not only the man of God, but you're showing God your humility and your need and your desperation. And she drops down and she grabs him. The Bible says, caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. He's like, how dare you? How dare you touch Elisha? And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed. In other words, her soul is troubled or distressed within her. And the Lord has hid it from me and hath not told me. So at this point, at this point, Elisha, the prophet, doesn't even know what's going on. Look at verse 28. Then she said, did I desire a son? Did I ask you for this? Did I come to you and ask you to give me a child? Did I not tell you to not to, to deceive me? I told you, don't lie to me. And then he said to Gehazi, he said, gird up thy loins. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to gird up your loins. And he said, I want you to take my staff. And he says, I want you to go that way. And if you meet anyone, salute him not. And if any, salute thee, answer him not again. And I want you to go to wherever she says the child is. And I want you to lay that staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child, watch her faith and watch her dedication here. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I will not leave. And he arose and followed her. Her commitment to the Lord and Elisha him, influences him once again. Remember I told you she was a woman who was very persuasive. She had persuaded him to eat with her. Now she's there and she's persuaded him that he needs to come. Don't be sending your apprentice. I need you to come, Elisha. I need the power of God to come. Verse 31 says that Gehazi's efforts are to no avail. The boy's still dead. But look with me in verse 32. Verse 32. It says, And when Elisha was come, Into the house, behold, the child was dead. A confirmation the child was dead. And he laid upon his bed. And he went in therein and shut the door upon the two of them. And he prayed. The first thing that the man of God does is pray, praise to the Lord. And he went up and he lay upon the child and he put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands and he stretched himself on the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. And so Elisha gets up, he returns and he walks in the house to and fro and he went up and he stretches himself one more time upon the child and the child sneezes seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he calls Gehazi and he said, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was coming to him, he said, take up thy son. Notice her response. In verse 37, the Bible says, then she went in, and the first thing she did, moms, if your child would come back from the dead, would you take time to fall down and to give God the glory? Would that have been your first response, or would have you ran and kissed the neck of your child? She falls down, the Bible says, at Elisha's feet and she bows herself to the ground in reverence for what God had done once again in her life. And then she took up her son and went out. The woman of God teaches every one of us that no matter what we may have to face in this life, that we have to continue to act by faith. It was Jesus who told his disciples in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Nothing shall be impossible unto you, but faith is required. At the end of it all, her godly character, her faith, were rewarded by God once again. She fell down at the feet of Elisha, the conduit of God's power in that moment, and gave thanks for the miracle of life before she ever touches the boy. She picks him up with great joy and gladness at what had happened. By the way, I shared with you a little more about the idea of being rewarded, you know, Hebrews chapter 11 says something about that as well in verse number 6. It says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. You see, I know this woman was a woman of faith. She's a woman of generosity. She's sensitive to God's leading. She's a woman of contentment. But her faith is rewarded. Watch this. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a what? What? Rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. God had rewarded the faith and trust of this woman of God by giving her a miraculous birth. Watch it. Watch what's getting ready to happen in the Old Testament. Going to give you a picture of what's happening when Jesus comes. By giving her a miraculous birth, and then He rewards her by giving her a miraculous resurrection. Wow. By the way, Jesus has done the exact same thing for everyone in this room. If you're watching online, Jesus has done the exact same thing for you. Oh, listen. Before Christ, we are all dead in our trespasses and sin. That's what the Bible says. Nobody had to convince me of that, by the way. I didn't need some fuzzy-haired preacher or anybody else to convince me that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior. But the Bible says that I was dead in my trespasses and sin. But because of Jesus, because of Jesus and only Jesus, every one of us, every one of us who have called out upon the name of the Lord have been brought back to life. Amen? Right? We've gone through physical birth, and then we go through a spiritual birth. What a Savior we serve. Oh, listen, this woman of God teaches us all some great lessons about generosity and sensitivity and contentment and faith. And by the way, I would tell you this. If you want to see something really cool, this is not the only time in God's word that this woman is blessed because of being a godly woman of faith. If you go to 2 Kings chapter 8, you're going to read in verse number 1, 2, 3, 4, maybe to verse 5 off the top of my head. There's the story about a famine that's taking place in Israel. And uh, Gehazi, who is actually covered with leprosy at this point, actually, uh, the, Elisha tells him to tell the woman about the famine. And so she leaves the land. And then when she comes back seven years later, her land has been ate up by the people. And so she goes to the king to plead her case. And she says, hey, I want my land and I want all my goods back. But they're not wanting to give it to him. So Gehazi tells the story of this godly woman and what she had done for Elisha years ago and the king commands that all of her property and all of her goods be restored from the time of the famine seven years prior all back to this woman see God will bless not always in the the way of land or her goods but he blessed her because she was a godly woman he worked in this regard and sometimes It doesn't turn out this way. The story doesn't always turn out this way. But what this woman teaches us, that we can all live by faith. And so, ladies, I have to ask you, because we're celebrating ladies. We're celebrating moms today. And so, ladies, I have to ask you, is it well with you on this morning? Is it well with you spiritually? Do you have a relationship with Jesus this morning? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I can tell you, you may try to make it well. You may think it's going well. But at the end of the day, when this life is over, it will not be well. And so I encourage you. Listen, it's not about me. It's not about anything else today except for the fact that Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he, and he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And so, ladies, is it well? Do you have a relationship with God? If you do, how is that relationship going? Can you honestly say that it is well with you? By the way, here's another one. If the relationship this way is not right, watch this. The relationships this way are not going to be right. You may have a little bit of what we consider peace. You may be able to get by. But the relationship right here is most important because it allows this to be right. So ladies... Is it well with you? Is it well with you? Are you a a woman of generosity? Are you a woman who is sensitive to God's leading in your life? Are you a woman of contentment? Or are you always looking for the next best and greatest thing? Men, I want to ask you, is it well with you this morning? See, yeah, we're celebrating Ladies and Mother's Day today. But this is a great question for all of us. Is it well with you? How goes it with you, sir? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Is that relationship really doing well this morning? How are your relationships this way going? See, not only this way, but this way. Young people, I don't leave you out. Because see, we see the story of a young man in this passage. And so I ask you, is it well with you? Elisha's man asks her in verse 26. Notice he says, is it well with thee? And then notice her final answer. When he asks her, is it well? She says, it is well. What a wonderful thing to be able to say it is well, but here's the deal. She said it was well and it wasn't. She knew that she had a need, and guess what? She did something about it. She grabbed hold of the prophet of God and she said, I'm not leaving. You, you're, not, you're, not, you're not sending your apprentice. I've come for you. I've come, I'm wanting you to come. To my house. I need you to come. I need you to do something. I need you to pray. I need you to do something. You are God's representative. And I'm not leaving until you come. And so she saw her need and she did something about it. Ma'am, sir, young person. If you have a need, the reality is it's time to do something about it. Mother's Day is a great time to do something something about it if there's something that's going on in your life today that needs to be addressed i pray that you will address it as we go into a time of invitation that you'll ask god to work in your family that you'll ask god to work in your life that you will give yourself completely holy to a god who loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sin father we love you god we thank you for the message God, as we prepare for our baby time of dedication, as we have families that will go now and they will will be getting their children and they will be preparing for this dedication service, Lord, I pray that you would bless them in their decision to dedicate their children back to you and certainly something that we find in your word. But Lord, I would be remiss if in this moment... We didn't just take time to do business with you. This woman in scripture gives us some great examples about generosity and sensitivity and contentment. But most of all, she gives us a great example of a woman of faith, a woman of action, a woman who was not going to be detoured in her hour of need. And so, Lord, I wonder what the need of the people is this morning. God, I wonder if there's those in this room that, still need to know jesus as their lord and savior I wonder if there's someone watching online that is yet to trust christ as their savior i pray that they will understand they will open up their heart will open up their mind that they will be receptive to let this message of your love and your goodness and this free gift of forgiveness that they will allow it to permeate their lives that they will for the first time in their life they will see their need they understand their need and that they would receive this gift Lord I pray that you would do that your word tells us that if we'll call upon the name of the Lord that we will be saved and so it's not it's not really difficult but there must be first a willing attitude there must be a step of faith there must be a belief so father I pray that if there's someone in this room somebody watching that believes That, Jesus, you are who you say you are. That you are the Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for the sins of the world, were buried, and that you rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. If there's someone in this room, somebody watching that believes this, they already understand their need of a Savior, Lord, I pray that they'll open up their heart and they will trust Christ today. And I ask Him to forgive them and to come into their life and to begin to work on the inside. So many times this world tries to change us from the outside in. God, I pray that they would be willing. They would be willing to take a step of faith and ask You to begin to work on the inside of their heart. Lord, I pray if there's someone else who has a need here today, someone who's been struggling in some other area of their life. God, I pray that you would break their heart for what breaks yours. God, that you would be be ever present today in their life. That you would cause them to draw nigh to you. And in drawing nigh to you, that you would draw near or nigh to them. God, help us to resist the devil. Your word tells us that if we'll do that, he'll flee from us. So, Lord, I pray that you will have your will in your way as we just sing a simple song of invitation. As we prepare to dedicate these children, God, I pray that our voices will sound out in recognition of your goodness and your greatness in our lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your word and for this message and for this day that we have to celebrate all of our ladies here today. Lord, we praise you. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus and for his sake, amen.